Diamond. D-I-A-M-O-N-D. A precious gem of the most valuable kind. When pure, it is clear. Diamond. D-I-M-O-N-D. A family name bringing traditions of love, hard work, and moral values. This is the Diamond Education Podcast. With my mom and dad, Johnny and Kelly England. Hey everybody, welcome to the Diamond Education Podcast. We are excited to be here. Uh, we are your hosts, John and Kelly England, and today we have Allison Sorensen on with us. We're excited to have Allison today. Allison is married and has five beautiful children, four boys and one girl. She's the Board of Directors of Education Opportunity for Every Child here in Utah. She grew up discussing education choice at the dinner table, and the passion never left her. She has worked for multiple nonprofits across the state doing fundraising and development. She also worked at a private school helping dropout students, as well as the vice president at a first-year charter school. Allison is known for her ability to grow things from the bottom up. Welcome to the show, Allison. We're excited to have you. Thank you all for having me. I was very excited to get the invitation. Allison, if you could tell us about Ed Opportunity and how you got into education choice. Yeah, so education opportunity for every child kind of came out of gosh, so many things. It was kind of a, it was a a little bit of a crossroads in my life, honestly, where I was like, oh, um, all my kids are going to be in school and I should get back into um, education policy. As you guys mentioned, I had kind of grown up um, talking about education policy and just fell in love with it. And so had reached out to some of my contacts and an opportunity was born basically because there was just an, there was an opportunity to, um, really push for education choice and being able to give people more education options and freedom um, for their kids. And we really needed to build out uh, the grassroots part of that. And I absolutely love just connecting with individuals, parents, families, and being able to talk to them about their education options and what's going to work best uh, for their kids. So that was kind of how it, how it grew. And we've been operating for a little over a year now obviously started like zero last year and now have, um, you know, growth of over 10,000 people who are committed to, you know, supporting more education options and choices for families and, and want to do that. So it's been fun. I've traveled all over the state, um, and met with people from St. George to Cache County. So it's, um, it's been super, super fun. And just to see the varying, uh, individuals, families and kids and, the all the varieties of education that people do across the state so yeah that's amazing actually so about a year ago is when we first met you and uh, started working with you so it's been quite a journey for us as well it's been kind of amazing so what are some specific things you've worked on over the past year that that you're wanting to talk about oh goodness so many things what have i been working on like where do i where do i even start um, I think the biggest thing was just being able to connect with people. That was kind of number one, is just being able to connect with people and start a conversation about education choice. So there was a huge conversation um, we had in the early 2000s, from about 2002 to 2007, um, about education choice in the state. And we were able to pass at that time what's called the Carson Smith Scholarship Program, um, which is still in operation today and serves students with special needs. And then um, we tried to pass a universal voucher program, actually. And um, that went down in a 
really public referendum. And when things go down in a very public way like that, um, the appetite from lawmakers is like zero and from the public. It's just not something you can touch. And so we hadn't touched anything like that. We like used to call it, you know, the dirty V word, like you can't say voucher because it's just a bad word. Um, and and so part of it was just connecting with people to open up that conversation. We, you know, it was then, gosh, I'm going to be really bad with my math. 2007 um, to now. How many years is that? Oh, that's so like over 15 years. 14 years, 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. yeah. And so it was, we started to be like, we could have that conversation again to say, hey, what about this? And with the national thing. And so that's probably the piece that I enjoy most because I just love connecting with individuals and people. So then a lot of that, obviously, to grow our list, you know, to over 10,000, we did a lot, a lot of just meeting with people and talking with them. And then the other big um, things that we, we've worked on are, and um, we worked on some charter school legislation um, because that's obviously also an option. It's an option that a ton of families use. We have over, gosh, I think over 60,000 kids in charter schools in Utah. Um, and so it's a huge base and charter schools have become quite regulated um, in a lot of different ways that we really want to free up. So we worked on some specific special ed issues in charter schools and for district schools. The cool part about working with charter schools is we also get to like bless district schools on the same thing because we get to. And so we um, there was a bunch of district um, special needs kids as well as affected in charter that weren't being able to have inclusion in the classroom and they were shipping their kids off to units and we were able to help pass some legislation that would allow those kids to be in the classroom and have full inclusion and if you are familiar with special needs or have a soft spot for special needs you probably know having full inclusion in the classroom is incredibly powerful for their education and for the social emotional learning and all of those things and so just to be able to create those bonds and interactions within a classroom with um, traditional peers so we worked on legislation that way, which was a huge success. Um, and let me ask also you a quick state board on that. follow yeah. up with that. So you mentioned, you know, the, the Carson Smith and a bunch of yeah. other things that way. Um, what are some uh, just why, why is it? Why do you think that so many parents are maybe looking for different options out there? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Um, just because they every kid's unique. I mean, I've got five kids. I know you guys have five kids. If you have any more than one child, like I don't think it, it takes five kids to know um, how different your kids are. So if you just have more than one kid, which I think most people in Utah do, but I could be totally wrong at that. Um, you recognize how different each kid is and how unique their needs are. And the government education system is really great at being a system and serving mass populations. But the reality is kids are super unique. And I specialize is kind of another word that comes to mind. Like they're just specialized in very specific things. And so when we try to take a system that's supposed to serve large populations of kids that really came about in the industrial age is when um, public education really became, we have to do this because um, kids were in the factories and what they really wanted was to get these they were like gosh we're it kind of 
but, but like all the industrial revolution, right? We have all these young kids in factories and there was a movement, a labor movement to say, we, these kids shouldn't be in these factories in these terrible conditions. And so we created, um, there was already some public ed and schooling going on, but we really created government ed and compulsory education at that point to keep kids out of factories. But if you think about the uh, mental space where people were and how they created that, they were used to the factory system. And so we created our schools much like the factory system, just because that's the time and age it was. And it was like, great, we're just going to put these kids through. And, and all we knew was going to the factories and the industrial age and all those things. And now, you know, we go forward 50 plus years and we're in a completely different space. Mm-hmm. And children's unique identities and needs and what they need is so different that the government factory system doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, having five kids, we've learned fast. You can't put all of them in the same box. So it's, and each year is different. <laughs> so our oldest, especially, it's like every few years we're changing things up or finding a new, you Yeah, know. just trying to find that right fit for what she needs. Yeah, for sure. So, so Allison, you said you had been out traveling the state meeting with parents, teachers and lawmakers. What are some of the takeaways that you are hearing from the people of Utah? Oh, that's such a great one. Oh, they want options. They want options. They want more choices. They want more flexibility in their education. And that really is the reality. I mean, we, we've done like surveys and and different things and over 70% of people, not even school age kids, but just like individuals are open to education choice and want more options for their kids and want more flexibility. Um, And that really people, when we talk one-on-one, there can be like some confusion about the things because social media makes it confusing. The news makes it confusing. Um, But when we talk about the facts and really what it does, everyone's on board. Everyone wants a better education for their kids. Everyone wants a better education because it also creates a better workforce, which means all of the things like growth and economy, which obviously everyone's super concerned about right now in in that. And so that's, you know, whether you're in rural Utah or you're along the Wasatch Front, they still want education options. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually on a group the other day in a rural area and the girl um, was like, I wish we had more schools like the private or co-ops or micro schools that had sports and teams. Like, you know, some areas are a little stuck at the moment with options. So, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned the Carson Smith earlier. What are some ways that we currently have um, like education choice funding? What are some education choice funding options that are out there that people are using across the state? That's perfect. Yeah. So we have, so Carson Smith, Carson Smith is technically called a voucher program. It's operated um, by the state office of education and uh, you apply for that through your district and the private school will help you lots of lots. There's lots of help if you want to do that. And it's, it's money for private school. Um, And there are, there's probably 30 plus private schools that take that across the state um, and they're super willing to, to work with you and help you with your child. The other program we have is also for kids with special needs. Um, I do want to know, it's interesting that we have these two programs operating right now for kids with special needs because um, Utah, just because this is like, you know, current event kind of thing, um, because Utah has been such um, a pro-life state 
and not abortions here are much lower than probably in other states, we have a lot of kids with special needs. And so it's kind of an interesting dynamic that we have here uh, because of that. But that's just the reality. And so we do have these two programs. The other program is called the uh, Opportunity Scholarship Program. And it's an education savings account program. And what that means is that you can use the money for private school, but you can also use it to buy curriculums or do therapies uh, or do like home education type, type things. So you have a lot more flexibility with education savings accounts. Um, with the history of school choice, education saving accounts have kind of become the gold standard because they allow so much flexibility and autonomy uh, to the people who choose to participate in them. So what would you say are some of the, I mean, obviously a, an ESA, if it were, or an education savings account, if it were so amazing, everybody would just be for it, right? There would be no arguments against it ever, right? Right. <laughs> That's why I do this. That's why I have a job, John, because no, you don't actually have to do anything to get this done. Um. What, what are, so I, I've, I mean, I've been in the space too, and so some yeah. of the, uh, some of the arguments I've heard are, 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 you know, hey, we need to make sure that they're being accountable to yeah. you know, academically and things like that. So what would you say yeah. to somebody that's arguing, hey, we need academic accountability in these programs? Uh, accountability is such an interesting question because um, I think we talk about, <clears throat> like, think about accountability with your kids. How are your kids accountable to you? Right. We probably all have like, hey, you need to do this and then you get X. Right. We have that kind of accountability systems at a micro level. Right. When we look at schools, um, government schools, because it's just the system that our brains kind of are programmed in. Right. There's these systems. There's systems. Government school is a system and systems. People really, really want accountability because that's how systems work. Yeah. And so in schools like that, we have testing. We do these end of love, end of year tests, and that is kind of how we quote unquote hold them accountable. What's interesting if you dig into that is most of the kids are failing. We have less than, you know, around 40% proficiency across the state, across the board in English, math, and science. It's 40% or less, which I'm pretty sure is an F if we like think through that. Yeah. And and yet we and we take the test at the end of the year. We don't even get results back until October. So we've already started the next school year. And so I kind of look at it and balk and laugh a little bit because I'm like, is that accountability? Like, okay, I can do that kind of accountability. Like, that's not accountability at all, right? Yeah. Like, my kid still moves on, right? If yeah. my kid doesn't do their chore, he doesn't get the thing. But yeah. if they don't pass the test, they keep going. It does not matter. Like, there's no, the yeah. teacher's salary doesn't change. The school doesn't, like, it's like, cool, we took the test, check, check box, right? Right. So it's kind of this, it's a phantom accountability, really. Yeah. Um, but when we look at education choice programs and charter schools are, are a little bit of that, but educate broad education choice when it's like literally open to the market, accountability comes because programs don't continue. Schools don't continue. Education programs don't continue. It's very much like, you know, the restaurants, I think COVID just because that was all so recently, right? We saw restaurants close down. We yeah. saw businesses close down. And we can talk about all the reasons why and whatever. But the reality is they closed down. Yeah. And there was like a restaurant that had opened near me just before COVID. And it was so good. It was this Greek restaurant. I was like, oh, my gosh, we have good food. Yay, finally. Mm -hmm. And so my husband and I <laughs> went every week. Like they were doing takeout, they were doing like all the things, and they survived. 
they survived and opened a second location because they were good. They offered good service. They had good food and they had good quality. And if they didn't, then they closed. Yeah. Yeah. And there Especially was during actually, that time. Uh, they, they, when I was up at the legislative session this, this last year, they actually, the legislators had some concerns because there were some charter schools that were failing that they were trying yeah. to keep open because people didn't want to go to them. And so I, I agree with you. That right. That's the accountability. Yeah. I, I agree that we, we just need in, in education. Exactly. Right. And that's, we just need to, we actually need to be okay with schools failing. We need to be okay if schools shut down. Yeah. It yeah. is, it is actually a good thing if a school fails and shuts down. You know, we have a bunch of schools, um, government, government schools in, uh, East Salt Lake area that are closing down. Yeah. And if you look at it, they're sending their kids either to a private school, they're homeschooling, or they're open enrolling into a different school. There's also a shrinking child population there. So there's multiple compounding factors that are creating that, but the schools are having to close because they don't have enough kids. Yeah. But yeah. what if the schools didn't close because not only did they not have enough kids, but they were just failing to educate the kids, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. there's a combination of things here we need to look at and just say, it is okay if schools close. And if we look at that in the marketplace, that that is how it works. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think in general, if there's failure, we learn from it, right? Yeah, exactly. So... Exactly. And it's it's one of those things that just because they're government schools, it re- it's a social program yeah. and social programs don't close. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the reality. It's like, it's the beauty of the free market. And we've literally removed the free market from education at this point. So we just want to, the whole goal of education choice is to like, just, I don't know, steroid shot in free market principles to be able to create a richer uh, economy. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. So, um, so another argument, Allison, is that public tax money shouldn't go to private schools, homeschoolers, et cetera. How would you respond yeah. to that argument? You're the one paying the taxes. You're the one putting the money into, into all of this. Um, and I, and I get the, uh, one of the other beautiful parts about a free market system and education choice is that you get to choose in. You gotta choose it. You do not have to participate in these programs. No one's requiring you to participate in these programs. Like, hey, if you want to do this, let's do it. And I think that's that's the, that's also the beauty of options. I love that people will choose not to use this program. Yeah. Awesome. I love that you want to do that. That you have the ability to do that. That you have like the gumption, the finances, and everything else to stay out of it. Yeah. Um, most private schools in the state are totally want to take the money. Yeah. That they're ready because they're the competition for a private school or any sort of private education <clears throat> place. They're competing against free. Yeah. Competing yeah. against free is really hard. Yeah. It's really hard to compete against yeah. free. Even when you have a better product, when you have a superior product, it is still hard to compete against free. And so private schools, um, they, they are so excited for programs like this and are huge advocates and allies um, in this, you know, there's a couple that, that aren't, and that's great. Good for them. Like they have their model and it works for them, which is beautiful, right? It's all that whole, we get this really eclectic mix of things because we have a really eclectic mix of kids and parents and people. Well, that's the beauty of it too. The parents, but the schools get to choose too. They're not forced to take the money. Exactly. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
awesome. Freedom for everyone. It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just as, you know, we're recent homeschoolers and a few of our kids go to private schools, you know, and mm-hmm. we use yep. different, like one of our children this year is going to use the uh, Children First Education Fund and yep. we use My Tech High and things like that. Yep. Um, and it's truly blessed their lives, you know, to be able, because each of them, like I said, some private schools working, some homeschool, our older daughter, Mm -hmm. you know, has done a little bit of public and different things like that. Um, And it's like, why shouldn't we be able to access money? We're paying taxes. So these kids, why wouldn't, if they are doing better, like our kids are, right? Why wouldn't Mm -hmm. you want your taxpayer money and sometimes less taxpayer money going oh, yeah. to these options, you know? Right. So, yeah. Well, we're coming kind of to the end here. Um, and so I just, a couple questions for you here at the end. Why is education yeah. so important? Sorry, why is education choice so important to you? Oh, why is education choice so important to me? Um, because it gives people a way out of poverty. Um, I think so often, um, and I forget this a lot too, and my parents were super good um, about taking us because we we grew up incredibly blessed and incredibly blessed financially. And we often would do, you know, Christmas stuff or go do humanitarian projects or, you know, whatever. We made sandwiches for the homeless every Sunday for months, maybe even years. Um, and we would go to these populations <clears throat> that are just, you know, low-income areas, and they don't have a way out. They don't have the ability to have someone stay at home and and homeschool them. They don't have the ability uh, to send their child to a private school. And they know that their only way out of poverty is through education. And so that's really... um, why I feel so strongly about it is because I've met with these people. I've gone to their schools. I've seen where they're at. Those are the kids I am fighting most for, for education choice. Everyone needs it. Everyone deserves it. Every kid's unique, but those kids financially don't have another option. Yeah. And that's why I do this every day. And I have pictures of them in my room that I look at and I'm like, this is why I do this because there's a lot of haters um, when you put your neck out to do something, everyone shows up and you're like, oh, hi. <laughs> and so I have to, like, I do have to remind myself every day, like, this is why I get up and do this work because I want those kids to have options and opportunity and hope in their life. Yeah. yeah. I love that, Allison, because uh, that's the, because we have a lot of naysayers, I would say, in this field in Utah. Yeah. And Me too. I, I loved the opportunity this last year when we did work with you to meet because it's easy for you to say in your circumstance where we're blessed right like right oh I can totally like this single mom and work all day long and um pay for my kid to go to a private school right yeah what about the story I heard about the kids who don't have parents where the social workers are watching over them and the social workers know there's a better opportunity for them elsewhere or the kids that the class, these big classrooms is traumatic for them where they would benefit right. from a school with a smaller classroom, you know? Yep. 
So it's just so many, so many things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so so many things it does. It puts such a, it just gives such a beautiful base for it and, and understanding because then we see some of these kids. It's actually amazing to me. I've met with a bunch of private schools too. Um, A lot of these private schools are religious. We have a large Catholic, um, Catholic school, you know, private school community around here. There's Lutheran schools, others, other Christian and non-Christian, we're just religious schools in general. Yeah. But a lot of these schools, amazed me, have taken kids for free, yeah. and they educate them for free or for uh, the you know the bare minimum that these these parents can afford, yeah. because they also see this and they know they need these kids out, and they take these kids from these struggling places and these you know failed homes and other things, and they give them this incredible education. And to break the poverty cycle, that that's something totally worth fighting for. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, but then I also see these private schools and they take these kids on and they, they're willing to do it and they do it and they see it as part of their ministry, I think. Um, but they also recognize they can't stay open either forever yeah. operating like that. You know, yeah. it, it's, this, it's this balance that they have. And so that's, I think, part of the reason they're so... Um, excited and 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 support these types of programs so much because they they recognize they can't continue to do that for yeah. kids forever, yeah. even though they want to. Yeah. So. so, Allison, I have a question. What is education? Man, that's a great question. Um, education is being able to progress. It's being able to learn and understand and get curious about the world around you I and like fall in and fall in love with it. Yeah. yeah. Through that. Curiosity. I like that. Love that, Elson. So, oh. and then we this like, is our, our last question. This is our kay. out of left field question that we're going to okay. be ending all of our <laughs> episodes with that we, uh, apparently it was a good thing that we let you know about. So. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Who is one of your heroes from history and why? Yeah, it is a really, um, really good thing. You let me know about this question before. Um, because I, so this, I mean, this is kind of a side note, but history, um, <clears throat> I moved around. I was in a different school every year um, until high school growing up. And that was just because of my dad's job. <clears throat> and I was in different states and stuff. And so I actually never got history until high school. And it was just because every year we'd move and it's a different school and then it was always geography. And so when I finally got history, I just fell in love with it, fell in love with history. Um, but I started thinking through like, okay, who is like the person that stands out? And I just thought it like Winston Churchill was one of the first people that came to mind. Like, I just think that man was incredible. Um, and then I thought, oh, but then there's like Mother Teresa and there's Gandhi and then there's Joan of Arc. And then they're like, I start going through, okay, like, I'm like all these people. And then I go through, um, we were Christian, we, you know, and we're studying, we studied Esther last week. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's all these amazing, like, Bible heroes. And I just like, and then I start thinking about my own family and my family history. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> There's this grandma and this great, like all these, like I just had this flood of people <laughs> come and I started thinking like, okay, why do I, like, why are all these names coming up? Like what's, like, what is the thing that 
Like why? What you know, just trying to think, okay, why are these people moving away? Because I couldn't really put my finger on one or one story that I like, oh, this thing. And it kind of came down to this quote from Steve Jobs. And it's about the crazy ones. And he says, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not found, they're not fond of rules. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. But the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, um, we see genius because the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. And that's like that came down to all the people I could think about in my family history in scriptures, in in history in general, is it's like they were bold enough to stand up and say, this is what I believe and this is what I'm willing to fight for. And they did it despite all of the fear, sometimes death, yeah. um, naysayers and everything else. Like they stood up and said, no, this is what I'm doing. And I'm going to do it. And most of the time they did. And even if they failed, you know, they failed forward, right? We have that full fail forward. Like they kept going, you know, Thomas Edison's like, how many fails do you have, right? We only remember for like, well, but how many fails do you have? And so I think that he was bold enough and completely insane enough to think he could do electricity. And he did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I just think about all of the people, you know, in their quiet ways or in their big ways that are crazy enough to think that they can change something. And maybe it's for the whole world, or maybe it's just in their little world. And education to me, for for a parent, a low-income parent, any parent to think, I am crazy enough to take my kid out of the system, that's crazy. Yeah. It really is. Because that's what we all grew up doing. It's what we've all done for so many years. Yeah. And it's just what we do. Yeah. And so if you're crazy enough to step out and do something different that way, that's like, I just have to give it to them. And that's all of my heroes from history come down to that. They were a little bit crazy no. in their own way. <laughs> we're all a little crazy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they do, but they, they make the difference. Yeah. yeah. They change, they, they truly change things. And that's, we just, that I, for me, it's like, no, I just want to change things. And so I look to them and say, no, we can, we can change it. We can, we can change things around here. Yeah. yeah, That's awesome. Allison, thank you so much for joining us on our inaugural podcast and working through our technical difficulties and all of those things. Uh, where can people find you if they want to follow the work that you're doing with Education Opportunity for Every Child? Yes. Awesome. So um, at opportunityutah.org. And at, at, at Opportunity is our handle on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I think, too. That's a lot to keep up on. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me there um, and would love to connect with you. I do a Facebook Live or so I do Facebook Lives again, like every Wednesday night. Um, so you can get on and just listen to me talk to myself about whatever seems to be on my mind um, at any given moment. So. Yeah, which Allison, you're awesome. I always can like, if I have a question... You know the policy, you know the legend, you know, like you're like, you know it in yeah. and out and you, 
you're very good at explaining things. So thank you. Well, thank you. And we're, I mean, definitely you stay tuned because we've got big things coming. Um, we're not giving up um, on anything. So we are, we've got big things coming for January. I'm very excited about as we can't say anything because we're trying to get all the pieces together, make sure we can really uh, do it, but I'm, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Be great. Awesome. So thank you guys no, so much. Thank you, right, and good thank luck. You. I'm so excited for you. Thank you for listening to the Diamond Education Podcast. You can connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. At Diamond Education, D-I-M-O-N-D, or on our website, diamondedcom